Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and this is on MTR Podcasts. My next guest is a Maryland-based photographer and educator. I have Josh Sen. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, nice to meet you, Rob. Nice to meet you as well. Um, that is a great last name. I know you've heard it a thousand times. Uh, it reminds me, it's like, there was this dude I used to work with. Uh, I used to work for the Orioles back in the day. And this was an undergrad and his name was Matt Death. And he worked in marketing. And I was like, that's a badass name. That and it was spelled like, like like normal, like like death. And I was like, because <laughs> I was like, is it like a rapper death? Like D-E-F? He's like, no, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> I was like, are you in a band? Like, like what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, so I feel I like the, say, the same thing applies. Yeah, I, I usually am like, if people ask me how to spell my name, I'm like, you know, it's sin, but worse because there's two ends. But <laughs> I, I want to have an alias Jack murder or something. That would be great. <laughs> but I, I don't know if it works. Uh, I'll, I'll... Well, you know, it's actually been, like I, I try to Google myself every once in a while just to make sure like, you know, I'm not missing, you know, photo being used or something like that. Yeah. And I used to be pretty easily Googleable. And there's a uh, a rugby player in Europe now who's, I guess, getting pretty good. And he's like, there's some prospects looking at him and he goes by Josh Sin. Nice. And I'm like, oh, there goes half of my uh, <laughs> Googleability right there. <laughs> so actually, before we get into some of the questions, um, I'm gonna hit you with one, but then I want to go back and you want to put a pen in that, the uh, that kind of tagging thing of photo courtesy of, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But um, so let's get into it. Just describe your background. Um, when did you get started in photography? When did you start it like snapping and snapping and um, and what's that education look like? Things of that nature. So I started shooting photos in high school. I was taking a high school photography class uh, actually at the school that I teach at currently. So things are kind of full circle, which is yeah. very weird. It's nice to be back here. Uh, this is my seventh year teaching. But I started shooting around 15. Uh, I always loved movies and I really wanted to direct. And I think the closest thing we had was photography class. So I wasn't any good at all during high school. I think I, you know, I, I, I shudder to think, not to, <laughs> to no pun intended, but um, I shudder to think of those photos. Like I try not to share those photos at all because they were pretty bad and I just had no direction. But it wasn't right. until I went to college. So I, you know, I took three years of high school photography and then I went to UMBC and did my uh, bachelor's of fine arts in photography. And uh, that's when I, I started really being like, okay, this is what I want to do. Um, I like making an art just for myself by myself. Whereas, you know, if I got into filmmaking, it's a lot of relying on other people. It's a lot of collaboration. Not that that's a bad thing. Yeah. But I wanted to kind of produce an art by myself. So um, I ended up getting really into photography those years. Um, I was the uh, photo editor of the newspaper at, at UMBC. Um, and that kind of led me into the direction of photojournalism. So I did a little bit of photojournalism getting out of college. You know, Baltimore City Paper was a great avenue to yeah. get that work out. Baltimore Magazine, a few other places. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess now technically, like now I'm 30, I've been shooting pretty much my half of my life, which is crazy to say. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and even compounding that you've been in the, the educational space for a big chunk of that as well. Like, you know, saying that, Oh, you this is my seventh year teaching. It's like, okay. Overachiever 30 <laughs> doing, doing photography for 15 years and like being a teacher for seven. Ugh. 
Well, you know, and teaching is a great way to be an artist and still have a career. You know, I don't really, during the school year, it's like, it's like hell trying to balance making work and teaching because teaching just takes so much of your time. But the summers, oh my gosh, like if that's not the best bonus in the world, having two, two and a half months of just free time to do whatever you want. I mean, that's, that's what really, there's a lot of things keeping me in the job, but every summer I'm like, wow, this is why I teach. <laughs> it's, it's almost, it's almost extending. Like I, I would, you know, like that whole thing schools, I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. It's an extension of that. And I, I, I don't, I don't have that. Like I've always like, I work in a college um, outside of doing this and I just, I'm constantly like juggling time and we're the college I work for, we're in a term system. So we have seven terms. So we're running a whole year. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, I'm like the lead data person there. So it's just, da, 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 da. and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to just work on podcasts after work. <laughs> Let's see if we could fit it in. And, you know, I, I feel like people need something to look forward to, you know, outside of work, even if they love their job, you know, you need that outlet outside. And like the summer is like what I'm working towards. It's, I call it the long weekend because, it's like what a lot of teachers are working towards. They, they Everybody's working for the off. summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's, let's talk about, uh, I guess, crediting photos. Because um, you'll go on there, let's say you, you may have a guest or what have you, like I'll have guests on here and they'll just slide me a photo. I'm like, because I started early on, I was like, just give me a photo, whatever you think I can use for social media. And it wouldn't be credited. It was just like, oh, okay, I guess you got this out of your iPhone or something. Looks great. <laughs> I, I guess. Cool. And then I kind of got the wrist slap a few times. I was like, I don't know this, this stuff. And so so tell me about that when, you know, you have pictures maybe of a subject or, or, or maybe in your knowledge, may not be specifically in your work, but you have photos of a subject and you say that they can use it. But like, how how is that, that crediting piece work? Well, you know, it, it, there's definitely been some, I, I'd say I've had, I've had better experiences than I think a lot of people have. A lot of people have just had their work just straight stolen, mm -hmm. um, misused. And I've been pretty lucky on that. I worked with a lot of people who like give credit where credit's due. They put it in the right places. They know how to link me. Um, like I, I've done holiday cards and like, I, I don't expect anybody to put like my Instagram handle on their holiday cards, but they do it. And, and I'm yeah. like, you know, it's nice. Like I'm not looking for that, but you know, thank you for doing that. Um, when it comes to the internet and, and placing that credit, I think the internet's a wild place. It's a, a great place and an awful place at the same time. Yes. And I feel like there ha I've definitely had instances where people are like sharing their work or sharing my work kind of not really saying it's theirs, but it's kind of under this guise that it's theirs. Yeah. And I luckily have enough friends that, you know, scour the internet enough that if something like that does happen, it comes up and they let me know. And I've, I've definitely had a few words with people over the internet, but it's gotten better. Um, or else, like, maybe I've gotten worse at finding it. <laughs> but um, I don't know. You know, I, I've worked, most of my work is with, like, publications. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say, and I, I don't do that too often, especially with the teaching gig now. So it's, it, those are kind of thinning out. Sure. Um, but I think publications are really good at giving out that credit. Um, I've worked with a lot of, like, musicians 
who put out my stuff. Um, you know, I like DDM. We, uh, I mentioned I listened to his uh, interview with you, yeah. and you know, we've worked on several or a couple um, album covers. One, you know, infamous, infamously wasn't able to come out. But the second one, Ballad of Omar, we got to come out. And he was great at, like, you know, letting people know who photographed him. And that, that's, you know, there's, there's nothing quite like another artist supporting another artist. And, and I really do appreciate that. And, I, and I, I see this happen a lot with other photographers where, photog- or where artists, musical artists, whatever, don't credit the photographer. Yeah, that's that's a thing. Like for like, I've I've had it happen. Like one time that really sticks out, and the the people slid my DMs. It's like I was unaware. The artist just sent it over with no context. I was like, I credit everyone. If someone sends me a picture, I credit the the photographer because I understand, like at least from my vantage point, that that could serve as a referral for like more work and so on. Exactly. But they hit me really left field, and I was just like you have no idea what I do. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the business I'm in, like, I don't care. <laughs> I, I could just take it down. I have a picture of myself up there <laughs> and then no one's going to be checking for it. But mm-hmm. it, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, just say, look, can you just credit me? That's it's as simple as that. I think yeah, as opposed to just losing your mind of someone is misusing your work or what have you. If you gave it to the artist and the artist gave it to someone else, it's like, I don't know. It's secondhand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. But yeah, yeah um, the whole deep rabbit hole. <laughs> it it is, and we don't have to worry about it in audio land. It's like my voice is my voice. Now, if they change it, it's like, look, I got to send a, a flag for you guys or something. I'm be gonna be change my voice. It's trademark. Uh, <laughs> and you so, have a great voice too. So. Well, thank you, thank you. So, so speak on um, photographers that have influenced you, and, and maybe how they maybe influence your thinking or photography or even your career path. Well, you know, the, the first person that like obviously kind of stands out to me is my father. He was a, um, I would say is a, a kind of a hobbyist photographer. He was like the documentarian of the family. So we grew up or I grew up in New York City um, through the 90s and he was just documenting everything we did. He, I wouldn't call him a street photographer, but he was on the street kind of photographing wacky or weird stuff going on in New York. And he was shooting enough that we would like have family dinner on Fridays and he'd have the, you know, the, the negatives and the uh, little drugstore prints that he got from that week. And we'd just pass them around the table just to see, you know, what we looked like or what he was up to. And just subconsciously, I think that was affecting me um, to the importance of what imagery can mean for somebody. Um, that was his way of navigating New York, navigating having a family. And, you know, I, I use photography as a way to kind of navigate my life. Um, sure. I could not imagine going through my life and not collecting these images. I almost look at them like trading cards, like they're, they're trading cards of experiences. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I, without him, I don't know if I would have been diving so much into photography so uh shout out to dad (laughs) (laughs) i think like like as i became kind of more on the professional side and i I, you know whatever that term actually means (laughs) um someone who i learned a lot from was patrick joust he's another great baltimore photographer um i've learned a lot from him just 
you know, technologically or technically, um, like with film, he's a great film shooter. He does a lot of long exposures at night. So we've had a lot of conversations about, you know, how to shoot photos, how to photograph people with respect and dignity. Um, but also just like work ethic. He yep. shoots more than professional photographers and he's a full-time librarian. This is just what he does when he's free. And, you know, he's an amazing photographer that just inside and out is a great human being and a great artist. So I, I have a lot to owe to him. Um, got a, a big squad of amazing photography friends, um, Baltimore, New York, all over the country, all over the world, just that I've met through Instagram. There's tons. I mean, <laughs> it's like it's hard to like really pinpoint the major players. There's just so many people that have affected the way I shoot and the way I think about shooting. Yeah. So speak on a little bit because we, 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 I, I was, I was getting it free. I was getting it free before the mics went on, but speak <laughs> about like being a, a photographer and that kind of having that photojournalist thing. Cause you said that that was, was a part of it as well. And that, I would imagine that goes into your approach as well. Um, speak about being like in this this field, this area, doing this type of work, but in th in this particular area, in this Baltimore, this this I I'm not going to say DMV, but this Baltimore area. <laughs> Speak on being with all of these. You, you touched on all these great photographers here. Yeah, I mean Baltimore has like a, a great pool of photographers. I mean, for for a small city, I mean Baltimore is not a big city, but the amount of photography talent that is in this city. I mean it. it it makes major cities kind of pale in comparison. Um, I mean, just the amount of great talent here. And, um, you know, I, I, I love it because it exposes me to so much different stuff. Like it's not all photojournalism or, or uh, um, documentary photography. I know great portrait artists who are killing it in the studio or people who are documenting their family or doing still lives. It's just this great pool of like, variety and, and diversity in the work. Um, d when I was wanting in, you know, in college, I was like, oh, I want to be a photojournalist. Um, that's what I want to do. I want to photograph the world and, you know, do that kind of cowboy type photojournalistic thing. And then, you know, I got kind of like a, a big reality check. Um, when the response to Freddie Gray's murder happened, I was photographing that. Um, I would be working from nine to four thirty, and then I would race on down to the Western District where he was killed by those officers. And um, I was photographing the response, the protests. But so were um, people from all over the world. I mean, CNN was there, Fox News, New York Times, all these people, and um, it really put a bad taste in my mouth just to yeah. see how people were kind of leeching on to pain people's pain, but specifically black people's pain. Yeah. Um, I thought that, you know, if that's how I felt about these people here in Baltimore, well, that's how I would be regarded in any city that I'm not from or, or living in. Um, so that kind of redirected a lot of what I wanted to do with my work. So I, I kind of, took a little step back from that. Um, I still, you know, documentary photography is still my main thing, but I've kind of tried to channel it as my own experiences with the city. Um, I think 
nobody can tell an all encompassing view of Baltimore. And, um, so I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to like show this is what Baltimore is and yeah. nothing else. It's just kind of like, you know, my experience with Baltimore. Um, and it's not going to be the same as anybody else's. There's a lot of people that, you know, might relate to some of the work or, you know, might see themselves in the work or see someone they know or see building. I mean, like Baltimore is being totally just changed things, buildings that were here last month aren't here anymore and new buildings are coming up and it's kind of like a, a history thing. We got to hold on to the, the beauty of the city and, and, and past years and stuff. And I don't know. I, I think that's where my, my interests lie now. Like I want to just take something that wasn't maybe so personal before and make it personal to yeah. me. Um, yeah. Cause I've read that, that, that Baltimore has become a central character in your work and that's sounds like that's what you're describing. And I, I think that that is is needed because I think for I think people that are doing work in that kind of space, like people who are here, we recognize that Baltimore can be viewed from so many different angles. You can take the weird angle. You could take it being a super old city, despite it being small, but being super old. And you can take it being black and white. I had um, Joe uh, Giordano on it and he's just like, oh, yeah, it's like it's, it's like apartheid or whatever. It's like yeah. same word. And, and it's split you know, in, in many ways. And there's so many different angles you can take on it. But the, the main thing, and I think that you're touching on it is, it's kind of like capturing that lived experience, capturing what it is from your vantage point. And also the key ingredient being authentic in it. Because mm-hmm. if it comes off like, oh, I just really need to cover this. Like, you know, people ask me, like, when I'm doing this podcast, why do you interview who you interview? It's like, because I find them interesting. And it's not like, oh, well, this person's doing really great numbers or they have this many followers and I hope they repost this episode and maybe you'll give mm-hmm. me some followers, you know, this this version of cloud chasing. It's, it's not that. And, and going back to what you were saying, just uh, as far as like 2015 and some of that coverage around Freddie Gray. Um, yeah. Kind of, kind of the same thing. Being at, being there, and being observant of it, people are focused on their their feelings. Rightfully, it, it was very tension ridden at, at that time, and, and it's not completely gone. But I'm looking around at everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what's happening here? Who are the players, and who is looking at this? Um, I remember I had a friend who was a teacher, and and she had said that Baltimore is like a weird Game of Thrones right now. People are trying to figure out who's going to be the leader, who's going to be a politician in three years, but they're an activist right now. And you see people coming in from different cities, not, not just the people covering it. And we saw it previously in Ferguson, right? Not too long before that in Ferguson. Yeah. But then you see people coming in who are activists, like professional activists, but from other states. And it's like, what is this? It's yeah. like, you guys didn't care about this at all. We live here. I and mean, that's the thing that I'm an advocate for. Well, I feel like sometimes people use Baltimore as like the stepping stone to, mm-hmm. you know, garner themselves, whether it is in, you know, photography or activism or po- politics, like people, people need to care about what they're interacting with. And, yeah. and one thing like I, I often get in messages or comments in, on my work is how they immediately relate my work to The Wire, which it's like, okay, like, like I enjoy The Wire. I think it's a very important show and I think everybody should watch it. And I'm glad that people did watch it. But yeah. is, are you relating to it for the right reasons? Like, Boom. is it, 
are you just looking at it as this like um, soap opera? Yeah. Uh, or are you like actually like understanding what the show's trying to illuminate and then go further than that? Because like the people I'm photographing, the places I'm photographing, they're real people, they're real places. And I, I think sometimes people from outside Baltimore, yeah. they view them as like these like characters or these actors or these settings. Like, yes. And I used to did, live, live, listen to that all the time. And I, I have a connection with, you know, some of, some of the stuff that's being told in there, especially like the school year. That mm-hmm. was middle school for me. And I'm like, ah, yeah. Huh. And it's interesting, like my partner is rewatching it right now. And she watched it initially in its first run, but she was living in the county and she's a transplant from New York. Mm-hmm. I will state that I'm originally from New York, so I can't I can't claim original Baltimore. <laughs> but you're here, though. But you're here. I'm here. Uh, yeah. And so so she's rewatching it now, living like on 22nd Street. She's like, oh, I understand this a lot better now. Mm-hmm. And it goes to what you were touching on. It's like. No, no, no. You got to do a deeper dive than just enjoying it. Like if you're going to use that as your reference point for all things Baltimore, it's like the wire and crabs. It's like, it's, yeah. it's, you can't just use that. You have to learn a little bit more. Yeah. Dig deeper. I mean, it, it, I, and I think people should watch the wire and, and totally. use that as kind of a, Hey, like, why was this even made? Well, mm-hmm. Like this isn't just entertainment. It, it, it's for a reason. And I think that's where, you know, it is like I, I first watched it when I I think I was like early in high school when I first watched it. And I probably had that attitude of like, you know, oh, this is wild. This is crazy. You yeah. know, Baltimore's crazy. And then like I rewatched it in college and I'm like totally different, you know, it, and I think people need to do their homework before they lump Baltimore in with this like crazy I don't know. There's just a lot of politicians like to talk a lot about Baltimore. Uh-huh. Governor. <laughs> I like to throw out there. I was like, I think other cities have better publicists. That's the thing yes. I like to say. And because if we're using pop culture as the reference, mm-hmm. no body should ever go to New York. If you watch SVU, you know, yeah. should ever go. It's just like, Oh, where's that gavel? Oh no. <laughs> um, so so when you touched on how long you've been shooting half your life, I'm still, still a little tight about that. So <laughs> what, what kind of equipment are you using? Break down your equipment. What do you, use? um, well, so it kind of comes in waves, like what I'm interested in shooting and how I'm shooting. So the last, I'd say three years, I've been using, um, a, uh, medium format camera for those that don't know it, it shoots a bigger, uh, form of film. So a bigger than 35 millimeter. And I've been using a Mamiya C330, as pretty much my go-to camera. I bring around with me everywhere. I have it here at school. Like I bring it every day just in case, you know, I want to take a picture of something. So that's kind of my go-to medium format these days. Um, I do have a lot of broken 35 millimeters that I got to get fixed. Um, it's killing me just looking at them, just sitting there. But um, one day guys, <laughs> I know, one, yeah, I just got to take them to this one guy. I think he's in Pikesville. He, he's, everybody says he's a great guy. So um, I haven't really been shooting too much 35 millimeter lately, but film is pretty much my jam. Like I, I like shooting film. It's what works for me. I'm not into the whole film versus digital argument. I think it's silly because mm-hmm. it's just like whatever works for people. I think you should learn on film because there's more trial and error there. But <laughs> whenever you get to that point, I think, you know, it doesn't matter if you're using film or digital, just 
it's the photo that matters. I, I like that because it's still a little subtle. Like, yeah, you probably should start off with this, but use whatever you like. <laughs> I like that. I, mean, I, like, I like that. Like uh, my intro photo class, we we use film all year round. Yeah. And I want to, it's almost like I want to frustrate my kids because I want them to know what it's like to maybe meter for the wrong film ISO or something. Maybe they're metering for 100, but they're using 400. So all the photos are like overexposed. Mm. And when they develop that and they see that, they're never going to let that happen again. And they're yeah. going to, it's going to be wired in their head. What happened? What, what that mistake was. We're digital and I'm guilty of this all the time. I just, you know, I move the dial if, it, <laughs> if it's not working. I mean, I know why I'm doing it, but it's hard for people to kind of learn that way. So, uh, you know, I definitely don't, I'm not looking down on, on digital at all. I shoot with my cell phone all the time. I've, I've made two zines of just cell phone work. So I, I think it doesn't matter the camera. It's all about how you use it. So you, you, you said the, the two zines and we, we had that previous one. I took that question out, but I, I, I do want to talk about zines again. Is that something that you want to go back into? Is that something that you're, you're done with? What, what are your, talk, your thoughts on the zine? And, and remind me, uh, what was the name of your, your previous zine? So the, 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 the zine that you asked about before was Cadillac Ranch Dressing. So same as my Instagram. The name doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Everybody asks me where the name came from. Okay. And it's just like, you know, I like those, those, um, those two word things that combine a word. I forgot what the, the, the term is called, but I like Cadillac. Mine's is going to be blue cheese audio. <laughs> Let's go. Let's I, you go. You know, people send me instagram handles that are kind of like similar to it using different like things and i'm like you know i i, just, I wonder <laughs> but um so it was called cadillac ranch dressing it had real no reason behind it other than i wanted to showcase other film photographers so i was fresh out of college i just wanted something to do i think i wanted an excuse to talk to more photographers so i started reaching out doing open calls people would submit and i released three issues of it in a year maybe a year and a half um and it was really nice i you know i, I still am in contact with so many people that i met just strictly through that so that was a cool thing um it got a little tiring after a while because i, I don't like to be the sole keeper of like who gets into this or who gets into that because i would get messages like why wasn't my work in there and it's just like i i don't like dealing with that so the cider. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, yeah, I, I don't like that big job, but I guess that kind of comes with teaching now. So pretty much all the zines that I've done since have been personal zines. Um, I did those two uh, cell phone zines, cell block one and cell block two. Um, and then I did a, a zine about my trip. I took a trip, a solo road trip to, Texas, oh God, three, four years ago, something like that, 2017 to so four years. Um, and, you know, just went through a breakup. I'm, um, you know, listening to Sad Country and just going through the, ah. the, the South for the first time and making work. So I wanted to put something together. And um, so I did those, I did Cell Block. And I, I haven't really put anything out in a long time. I'm currently working on a zine right now. Okay. Um, so me and my publisher, Katie Dance out of DC, Slow Dance Publishing, shout out. Um, we're working on something of the work that I've been shooting the last year and a half. 
So, you know, kind of quarantine stuff, getting out of quarantine. And then I'm like, okay, we're, <laughs> we're about ready to go back in. I feel like, yeah. so this might be like a double header. Um, but I think this one's going to be really good. I'm really excited about it. I think this work I'm really happy about. Um, I think some of my best work comes out of like pain. <laughs> so like, you know, when you're sad or upset or angry, you just tend to make some better work. Um, and then, you know, maybe down the line, I've been thinking about, I want to do maybe a book on some work out of um, Montana. So my whole mom's side of the family is from Montana, Minnesota, that yeah. area. And my mom passed away in 2004. So there was this whole kind of like just era of my life where I just had to go off stories about her. And, you know, it sucks. You know, you're at that kind of growing up age where now you're just like left to kind of figure it out. So I took a, a road trip. So another solo road trip out to Montana. I visited with her siblings, my aunts and uncles, my cousins. I literally went to places that she worked. I went to her childhood home and I'm documenting this stuff. And yeah. I was going to do a zine, but I just didn't feel quite like it was ready. So I think maybe this is something like maybe two more trips out there and maybe put a book together or something like that. That's, that's really, that's interesting. And um, I'll put a pen in that one too, because I have a book question. Okay. But yeah, I, I definitely, as far as the, like, I'm not the most emotional person in the world. However, um, I, I will say in part, this podcast is bored out of that. Like, I was annoyed that um, a, a fruit-colored president was talking about the city. And I was like, let's, let's, let's try to disprove that. I'd rather you look stupid than just get mad. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let's just do these interviews with people. And it's something that I'm not the most comfortable with because I think I'm, I think I'm a bore, <laughs> but people like to talk to me for whatever reason. So I'm like, all right, let's put myself out. Let's be vulnerable. Hi guys. I'm Rob. Well, there's an active conversation, I think, and you do it well. Well, thank you. But, but it came out of me being tight or even my, my other pod, um, I do two other podcasts and my, my brother's like my biggest fan. And, and, um, he was listening to some of the old episodes and he was like, yo, I remember when you went to that breakup. He's like, you didn't give a shit. He's like, you were funny. He's like, you didn't care about anyone's feelings. I was like, Ooh, was Sometimes like, uh. that makes for great stuff. I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm all for respect and feelings and stuff, but you know, sometimes tough questions have to be asked. Yeah. That, that is true. Yeah. That and is it's true. funny you bring that up. Cause when I was on that um, road trip to Montana, that was when Trump was saying all that stuff about Baltimore. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like the talk, not the talk of the town, but like every person that I would meet, just any stranger that I would photograph, yeah. I would say, Hey, you know, I'm a photographer from Baltimore on this road trip. And they loved it. Like they wanted to talk about it because <laughs> Baltimore was like news number one. And I, I was like, you know, this is perfect timing. Cause now I get a chance to really tell you what Baltimore is about. And, and I think that's important. I, I think like, for whatever you're whatever you're doing, I think people are too humble about it sometimes and too just reserved. I'm like, no, no, be an evangelist for yourself. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, talk that talk because that's what what pe that's what gets people's attention and that's what people want to hear. And it's like, put your whole ass into it, the whole thing. Like, if you're gonna do it, put your, your whole thing out there. And you know, people ask who's the best podcast here, who's the best whatever. And I'm like, it's me. And and, and I say that with a certain degree of uh on it. And, you know, it's, it's layered in modesty, but also you got to really feel that because, 
if you're like, eh, I do something that's okay, then you're not even fully committed to your own practice. Yeah. At least that's the way I kind of look at it. So if if you're out there and people are asking you and you're kind of that representative in that moment, it's like, yeah, that really cool guy that was taking these photos of, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's from Baltimore. <gasps> And then you're you're representing in that way. It's not like reluctantly from Baltimore because exactly. people do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree. You know, if you're gonna do something, <coughs> do it the whole way because mm-hmm. it's it, you know people can tell when you're you know BSing them or you can tell when someone's not confident. I think you know you gotta <laughs> like people laughed at uh, Lil Wayne when he was saying I'm the best rapper alive. You know what? Good for him because he yeah. felt that. I I don't know if he still feels that, but at, <laughs> at the height of like Carter three, he was feeling it. And you know what? I can't hate him for that because he believed and anybody who believes in themselves and, and shows up, I can't hate on that. And it's, it's, and I'll go local with it. It's like when, when, when Joe Flacco said I'm elite and you know, people still mock it. It's like, what well, you got a ring with that mentality though. So yeah. it's like, what, what do you want? It's like, and he's laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> yeah. Like I bet on myself, got that buck, that the 125 milli and y'all still asking these questions. I'm just cashing these checks. Yeah. Uh, so last two questions I got. Um, so you touched on the, the, the book project that, and that's the one I wanted to put a pen in. So let's go back into that a little bit. Um, what are some of your favorite, um, photo books? So I, you know, with, uh, and I got to shout him out. Um, my old roommate and good friend, great photographer, uh, Kyle miles and his girlfriend, Tori Hardy just, um, opened up Baltimore books, uh, space or Baltimore photography space. God, they're going to kill me for screwing up the name. Um, <laughs> But it, it opened up during quarantine online, and now they finally have that their brick and mortar open. So I've been getting a lot more photo books recently, and my uh, bank account's been going down. <laughs> but um, I definitely I have a lot of photo books that are kind of like you know those go tos, like the ones I'll bring on a, a solo road trip to really inspire me. And then I've got all these new ones that are just I'm in love with, and and, and they're just great sources of inspiration. So. A um, few of the recent ones, and some of them are brand new, like from this year. Some of them are a couple years back. Um, uh, one that I've been dying to get for a couple years, <coughs> excuse me, uh, is Afghanistan by Larry Tao. A beautiful book, very timely right now, just with everything that's going on in Afghanistan. Um, Larry Tao is a great photographer, and this bu- book is set up just so beautifully. It's like a collage, like it, it's like someone's notebook, and um, you know, he scanned his own notebook and, and sketches and um, Polaroids and prints and little things that he collected. Um, another one is Sunshine Hotel by Mitch Epstein, which is kind of like a, a look back at his work from like the late 60s to the late like 2000 teens. Um, kind of a good portrait of America. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I can't see is stand to see you cry by Raheem fortune. Amazing book, an amazing photographer killing it. I mean, there, there is not a week that goes by that. I don't see work somewhere else that isn't his Instagram from him. I mean, he's just dominating. So that, that book is um, really special. Cause it's like a very kind of personal time in his life, lost his father um, and just kind of like, how he's navigating that his life in Texas. Um, and I can definitely, um, you know, I, I feel a lot, uh, just kind of looking at those images and seeing and understand what he's going through. 
Um, another kind of old one that I recently got was Central Park by Bruce Davidson. And that one I love just because it brings me back to the 90s in New York. He was photographing during when I was living there. So I like I got the book and I'm like even like flipping through the pages just to <laughs> see if like my child self is like somewhere in there. Hey. <laughs> but uh, really it just brings me back. But some of my like go-to faves, um, Kitchen Table Series, Carrie Mae Weems is a classic. I mean, I, I think I show that work more than any other work to my students because it resonates with them. Um, it is, I, I recommend anybody go out and at least look at it. It's all about kind of, they're all like set up kind of, uh, conceptual shots, all shot, same composition in her kitchen. And it's like her playing the roles that a lot of women and specifically black women feel, or she's felt in, and it's just very relatable for a lot of people. And I love showing that work because, you know, when I was growing up, all I was shown was white photographers, white male photographers. And it's just like, I look at my classroom and I'd say like 75 to 85% of my classroom is girls. And I'd say 65 to 75% of my classrooms are minorities. And I think like, I, I, like, I can't keep showing the status quo of what we've learned all these years, especially when there's so much out here. I mean, it, there's just so many great photographers. So she is just like uh, an amazing person, amazing photographer. I always, I ask people to check her out. Um, Street Cops by Jill Friedman. Um, rest in peace, Jill Friedman, passed away a couple of years ago. She is one of my favorite just attitudes in photography um, you know, just, she was this old lady photographing, didn't take any gruff. Um, <laughs> when she did street cops, she was photographing NYPD, uh, officers doing the owner overnight shift in the seventies and eighties as a young woman. Um, yeah. and I think at that time, like that, that's gnarly. I, I, <laughs> I love that work. I think that's a great book. Um, I think it's, it, it looks at policing in a, um, an interesting way. I'm not, you know, thrilled about the whole, like, you know, you know, positive cop kind of savior type thing, but you know, I think there is a, uh, a view that she was able to achieve through it. Um, it's all good by Boogie. The photographer Boogie was one of the, they, the first photo book I ever got, I think. Yeah, that was the first one. And that was a lot. <laughs> that was definitely a, a lot for me. Living with the Enemy, Donna Ferrado is how I think every photo book should be. Um, she did the homework. She did. She put in the work. It's all about domestic uh, abuse from all different angles, from the victims to help groups to the police and responders involved. She's done interviews. She's still doing it to this day. I think she is the epitome of what a photographer should do in their projects. Um, family by Chris Farin. I love the, just the, the color. He's just, yeah, it's, it's just, they're all, <laughs> I could go on forever. That's fine. No, that's yeah. fire. That's, that's great. And I, and I think that's a, a fair amount of suggestions out there for people who are listening to this episode of, Hey, it's worth getting. Mm -hmm. Um, so the last question I have before we even get to the shameless plugs, that'll be the, what we wrap up on. Um, last question I have is, do you practice any other art forms? If so, which I, you know, when it comes to visual art, you know, I teach art one too. So like I, I, um, 
I teach the intro art class and then I teach my upper level photography classes. So, you know, I, I do a fair amount of art just to kind of keep my, uh, keep my talents going a little bit, dust off the cobwebs. I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting down when I get home and painting or playing music. Um, I wish, I, I think I, I put a lot of my energy into um, photography. I do, I, I, I did a little bit of watercolor last year. I think it was just a nice, like little peaceful way to just get all that stuff away in my yeah. head. But um, yeah, I don't know. Does the art of conversation count or the art of experiencing life <laughs> sure sure absolutely I, I, I think maybe that's why I, I i shoot photos i i look at it as this license to go out and experience life so i i look at that as kind of an art form but uh yeah as as far as visual arts go i don't know i'm kind of a i'm a traditionalist i just stick to the one <laughs> I, I, I've been trying to struggle with, and I think as many podcasts as I've done, I had people remind me, it's like, you're an artist. I was like, oh, I'm talking with a mic. I'm just a jerk with a microphone, but apparently it, it's a thing. And I, and I guess ultimately it's that question. And, and it takes me back to, um, different lessons I got, like in, in therapy, it's like, are you this yes or no? And I was like, uh, no, then you're not that. Are you an artist? Yes or no? Yeah then you're an artist. It's the thing. And that's how I and feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's legit. So, um, real quick website, um, social media, all of that good stuff. Where can they check you out? And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on to this of podcast. Course. Thank you so much for having me. It was great being here. Um, I'm not all over the place. No Twitter, no nothing like that. Um, Instagram is a great place to find me at Cadillac Ranch dressing. Um, again, don't ask me where the name came from. It's just a good name that's stuck. Send Josh empty bottles of ranch dressing in the DMs. That's how he'll know you're a real one. <laughs> so, yeah, there's uh, the Instagram and then uh, my website, www.joshson.com. So you can see some of my work, um, some of that older stuff. You can email me or DM me if you want to work or just talk. You know, I'm, I'm always trying to uh, answer all my DMs if you got questions or anything like that. So, um, I'm, I'm trying to be an open book. Oh, that's, that's it. That's it. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, this has been a treat and I'm gonna do my wrap up. So, uh, for Josh Sin, I am Rob Lee's and it is art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. <laughs> <laughs>